Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas, here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have the whole crew from Nobis coming up in a little bit, but first I am joined by my frequent co-host. She is one half of the dynamic duo that is Urban Swank, Felice Sloan, the swanky maven herself. Welcome back to the show. How are you? Hey, 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 hey. Felice, how's it going? It's going good. How are you doing, E? I'm good. We do not have a lot of time to either dilly or dally, so let us just dive right into the news of the week. Let's do it. Topic number one, lots of closings in the last week. I know. What's that about? Starting with the most read or, well, the most read story on Culture Map was Fitzgerald's closing, but that's not restaurant related, so we're going to skip that. Okay. The second most read story on Culture Map is that Fountain View Cafe has closed. The Briar Grove breakfast fave that would have been on my short list for the best pancakes in Houston Mm-hmm. is no longer flipping flapjacks. That was good, flipping flap. Yeah, flipping alliteration. Flopping. That's what I do. I like it. I spoke to the owner who said sales are down. So what do you think? Uh, are you going to miss Fountain View Cafe? I will. You know me. Like Nostalgic places have a place in my heart. I will miss it. I love going there because... Now, I won't say I have like favorites like you because I don't go quite as often but i love going there right i I like the way it makes me feel it's been around the people you see they're there all the time well so this is so this is where it gets to be a little bit like when astroworld closed a long time ago Mm -hmm. and i was like oh i can't believe astroworld is closing and i was like wait i haven't been there in five years i i probably haven't been to fountain view cafe in two years okay i've gone in a year like this year i've gone this year so Okay, I, had, so you, I met someone there that goes all like every day. Like I really need to check on him to make sure he's good because he's probably somewhere just passed out, like just having withdrawals. Yeah, he's probably not okay. Yeah, right he's now. not okay. He literally goes there every day. So I went met him there for lunch, and I'm going to miss it. I think a lot of people will. Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to miss it. I think a lot of people are like me and that they probably hadn't been there in a while. And then I saw some chatter on social media that it maybe wasn't quite as good as it used to be. And that's always the challenge for older established restaurants is as more competition comes into the area, right? Like when, when Fountain View Cafe opened, there wasn't Dish Society doing breakfast every day. There wasn't a Dare Kitchen. Toasted Yolk just opened down the street. It's hard. It's hard to stay current and, and be honestly asking yourself, is our food as good as it used to be? And if not, what do we, and even if it is like, we still have to make it a little better because there's a lot more choices. That's it. Like you just said, it. if you're established, you have to remain relevant. That's anything, right? You have to maintain the customers that are your regulars, short of them passing away or moving. You got to make allowances for that, right? And then you have to quality, customer service, and just kind of keep bringing in new people. Maybe add some new dishes and try it out. People miss it all the time. They miss that all the time. And they're like, well, they want to stay where they were 15 years ago. That, that doesn't work. Right. And, and even for a restaurant like Fountain View Cafe that has a pretty classic kind of diner style menu, 
you still got to be thinking to yourself, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of options competing for my dollars. Right. That neighborhood of Briar Grove is is a lot more affluent than it used to be. You know, you got all these young families there like, you know, I I don't want to I don't want to belabor the point. I don't I certainly don't want to kick a restaurant that closed, but as an as an operator, you have to ask yourself like, is it time to bring in like organic produce do we need more gluten-free items you know do we need wi-fi i'm yeah right i mean seriously like do we need wi-fi like people like that's simple but a lot of people don't have wi-fi and i literally will be yeah i'm good i'm out because i can sit here and do breakfast and do work if i can't do that i'm going down the street right something as small as that all right let me uh let me move on closing number two well almost closing number two (laughs) Psych. <laughs> it looked like it looked like the Marquee Two was going to close the neighborhood bar in West U, but to steal a '80s movie reference, it was only mostly dead. And if it were all dead, you would just have to go through the parking lot looking for loose change. That's but it. but it's but it was only mostly dead, and so by a miracle of selling the the bar to its general manager Al Jara, the Marquee Two is back. Right. Christmas miracle. We got one. Are you a, are you a marquee two person? I'm not. <clears throat> have you ever been? I have. And we're going to leave it right there. Like, we're going to leave it right there. We're going to leave it right there. But I'm happy. You know what? I'm happy that they have a new birth, like a rebirth. Right. People really, I mean, again, this is one of those places where it's like, I love that place. When was the last time you were there? Yeah. Most likely it's probably been a while. So this is your kick in the pants. This is the reminder it's time to go back to the marquee too. It's time to get. It's time to have a really boozy, oversized Long Island iced tea. Yeah, I'm gonna give them another chance. It's a new owner mm-hmm. there. I'm gonna give them another chance. Yeah, they had a whole renovate. They got rid of smoking. They had a whole renovation in like 2011. Gave it, you know. But you know, it's a fine line between. Here I am telling Fountain View Cafe they needed to have gluten free toast, and but at the same time, like marquee too, like maybe shouldn't have cleaned up and maybe kept smoking, like. I don't know. That was what set it apart. Right. You should have kept it a little seedy looking, a little smoky. It's a tricky balance. People are very fickle. All right. Closing number three. Montrose brunch favorite Baba Yaga, damaged by fire, will be closed for the foreseeable future. Baba Yaga is one of the restaurants that I broke up with a number of years ago. Uh, at the end of a previous relationship, there were certain restaurants that she and her family yes. went to, and so I just let them go. Yeah, you lost that. I remember that. You lost that in the divorce. I did. Yeah, I lost, lost Bobby Yeager. Yeah. I lost... Uh, we, were, we talked about it on one Yeah, podcast, we've talked about it before. But yeah, I talked, you lost I lost, that one in the I divorce. lost Theo's. I Theo's. lost a couple of yes. Theo's in, on Westheimer. I lost a couple of places. It's all right. There's a lot of restaurants in town. It's all right. Uh, Bobby Yeager is one of them. Here's the thing. Not that I would want a fire to happen to any restaurant. Like, I, I'm not wishing that on them. But them having suffered that, I feel like this is an opportunity to kind of upgrade Bobby Yaga. Bobby Yaga had gotten a little shabby. Yeah, it's, I broke up with them. It, I didn't lose them in a divorce, nothing like that. It just, it wasn't working for me anymore. So I think, like you, get a little money from the, fire the little damage and upgrade make it new again 
kind of take that opportunity to reinvent. Right. And it was sold to the same people that own Hungry's a few years ago. And they didn't change it maybe as much as they wanted to. But I would say if this prompts like the same thing that happened at the Rice Village Hungry's where they built that new building and they tweaked the menu and they brought in real cocktails and all that, if they do that to Bobby Yeager, yeah, they could give Bobby Yeager a new lease on life. I agree. All right. Topic number two. Boss Cat Kitchen is coming to Katie. Ow. Ow. Now, I, I'm, I'm glad that you're here. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad that you're here because you are my perspective on all things Katie. You are a graduate of Katie High School. Not to be confused with Katie Taylor, Katie May Creek. Katie, Katie. Right. right. Actual Katie. Actual. Good at football, Katie. That one. That one right there. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Is Katie going to, I mean, and Boss Cat, like, we've had, we've had, uh, JT and Leslie from Boss Cat on the show before. I think of Boss Cat, I mean, I know they have they have an extensive menu, but I think of Boss Cat primarily as a bar. It's a bar with food. I agree. I think so, too. Right? If you're going there, you're going there because of the drinks, because of that whiskey selection. You're not necessarily going there for a specific item on the food menu. Right. That's where they have an interesting opportunity in Katie. So let's take, and you talked about whiskey cake, right? Well, yeah, I, I was going to bring that up. Right. Right. So so let me just, so right. So the obvious comparison is that whiskey cake, the Dallas-based comfort food restaurant with a huge uh, whiskey menu, is also, is already opening Katie and doing very well from, they kill from what it. I can tell. No, they kill it. So... Is Katie ready to support two whiskey forward restaurants? So here's the thing, and it's apples and oranges to me. They both are whiskey ish, right? Yeah. But whiskey cake is more of a restaurant that has really, really good whiskey selection. And I think Boss Cat, as you said, is more bar that has elevated at best. Because I don't. You know, I've gone there. I like Boss Cat, but I just think it's elevated bar food. Right. I like the atmosphere at Boss Cat. Right. I like the cocktails at Boss Cat. Food is not the primary driver about whether or not I'm going to Boss Cat. Exactly. So I think for Katie, if they can not try to be whiskey cake, but just kind of elevate the food to the next level beyond it being just pretty, you know, beyond bar food, but not quite amazing regular food i think if they can find that balance they'll kill it in katie they'll kill it because people grown people want somewhere nice to go to get whiskey where they don't have to drive past highway six that's just what people in katie do they don't want to go past highway six okay so even if it's and this is awful but to say even if it's mediocre because there's places in the city that have to kill it and, you know, they go to suburbia and they can do half that and they're, the lines, people are waiting. And I'm like, seriously, I'm insulted. But that's just me. So I think that they can do well because people are looking for somewhere for adults to go. But that has really good food. And then you have people coming in that are further out. Well, and this, I mean, it's worth noting, this is separated geographically by a considerable distance because... Yes. Boscat's going to be at the intersection of Grand Parkway and the West Park Toll Road. Right. And Whiskey Cake is at Grand Parkway and I-10. And right. that's probably 10 but, miles? Yes. So you're pulling more of, you're pulling the Katy Richmond people. 
Right. Right. You're getting that. So, and I, I think, and that's a little bit more um, in between. So I think they'll do well. I think they'll kill it. All right. Topic number three. The owners of Adair Kitchen have brought, have launched a new restaurant in Evelyn's Park at the former Ivy and James space. It's called Betsy's. It's a lot like Adair Kitchen. It's casual, fast casual, burgers, salads, pizza. That's new for them. You know, I, I have to say, I I was talking to Nick Adair and his sister slash business partner, Katie Adair Barnhart. Do you realize it's been six years since Adair Kitchen opened? Really? It seems, actually seems like, I guess because they kill it, they do so well. seems like they've been here forever. To me, seems right. like it's been like 10 years. What about you? You think it's... Well, I, I, it just it reminds me of the time when I was first starting to write about restaurants professionally. Got it. And it was just, it was one of those initial places. And I have a, a, a funny story about a now retired food writer and my interactions with him that I will not tell for this episode because we're, we're short on time. Okay. But, but just the Ted Powers story will come. The Ted Powers at their kitchen story will have to wait for okay, another, another time. Okay, I'll remind you. But anyway. Yeah, it does. It feels like Adair Kitchen has become, it like instant hit, such a staple. And it's the same formula. And I think, you know, it just seems like a no-brainer for Bel Air. Right. That's what I was going to say. They have the formula down, um, different names, cute little concepts. They play to their strengths. It's going to do well. Right? Yeah. They they got it down. They they know where they they got locations. They know kind of, they play with the menu, kind of change things around a little bit, but I'm, right. I'm looking forward to and it. And they grew up two blocks from there and their they, parents still live yeah. in the neighborhood. So they know that neighborhood. They're going to make it, you know, discounts for people that bike or walk because the, frankly, there's just not a whole ton of parking. Right. And there's not a whole ton of interior seating, but it has that big patio that kind of bleeds into the park. The park is beautiful. It's a great location. They're going to do just fine. I think so too. And then they're they're restaurant people, right? They get it. They yeah. understand. I like them, so I'm happy for them. And then more news coming from them because they're opening something in downtown, and then they have another project in the works that I they won't they they've hinted, but they won't tell me what it is. Oh, so it's you know what this city is just busting at the seams with restaurants and bars lately. And it just makes me super happy. Yeah. It gives us a lot of new places to try right. and talk about. And that's what we're going to do in our Restaurant of the Week segment, which is coming next. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? Uh, Felice, for our Restaurants of the Week segment, we have three things to discuss. One that I think we'll do in a little more depth and then two that we're going to hit kind of briefly. Okay. So let's start with Neo's. This is the the Creole restaurant from New Orleans. It just opened up on Richmond between Hillcroft and Fountain View. Uh, I interviewed the owner, Tim. I'm not even going to try to pronounce Tim's last name. Dublisse? Is that? That sounds good. That's very French. That's it. We're going to go with that. I, I have, I literally, I, I should have asked him. I didn't. That's on me. Tim, I apologize. You're, you're very nice. But I, the first thing he says to me is, I don't really know anybody in Houston and I don't even know where I am. And I said, well, let me tell you, 
He's like, I know I'm on Richmond. I'm like, yeah, you're on Richmond. You're between Fountain View and Hillcroft, and you're pretty close to the Galleria. He's like, okay. That's all he needs to know. <laughs> but it doesn't matter whether he knows where he is or not because Neo's has such a good reputation in New Orleans. People are really excited about this restaurant, and you are one of those people. Right. You know, when I found out they were coming, I texted you. I was like, oh, my God, because I just knew you knew, right? And you're like, yeah, I've heard that. I'm like, why aren't you excited? You're like, tell me about it. So super excited. It is one of my favorite places to go in New Orleans. And I found out from one of my friends that's a local. They took me there, and I've been a fan ever since. Um, They have my favorite, favorite, favorite Chargrill oysters out of anybody. Absolutely amazing. Atmosphere is good. Um, food is good. We can go down the list and talk about a couple of things. But um, you and I went. We did. What did you think? Just from your initial. So I I was very impressed. I, I think it it lives up to the hype. You are right. Those charcoal oysters are fantastic. Uh, I don't know that they would be my favorite favorite because I have been to Gilhulis. And I think Gilhulis will always be my favorite favorite. And I'm a little bit obsessed with the the roasted oysters at Eunice that are topped with a whole mess of blue crab, right? But and totally different. But a totally different. different. Oyster, right? But this is but okay. no, these grilled oysters are fantastic. It's just butter and cheese and deliciousness. All that. Um, with the you know that you get enough. They give you a little bread to sop the sauce. All that. Spot on. You had your you had fried oysters, and you were like fry them hard, but don't overcook them. Right. You have to say that. you want When you want them fried hard, fried hard, not burnt. Right. Right. They nailed that. Nailed it. Nice crispy crust, still yes. gooey in the middle. No problems there. I'm going to come back to you on the gumbo. We have the fried chicken, thin breaded, not very spicy, a little bit like Frenchie's mild in just its its execution. Yes. And then the shrimp creole, we were we were really full by the time the shrimp creole hit the table. Mm-hmm. But kind of like an etouffee meets a traditional li- meets a traditional shrimp creole with with just enough spice. Like really, for me, it could have used like a glug or two of hot sauce in it just to perk it up I a agree. little bit. It needed a little um, a little bit of a kick of something, but not too much. But but it had it had a, a decent amount of heat. And let me just say. The Bow Wow, the signature cocktail, which is a, a 23-ounce fruit punch loaded up with two kinds of rum, was so boozy that, like, I am, I, I consider myself an experienced drinker. I drink my whiskey neat. I, I, am, I am familiar with a variety of spirits. I took about four sips of that thing, and I was like, if I finish this, I am not going to make it home. Right. It's and they want Saturday. People. It's Saturday yeah. afternoon. I cannot be drunk this early in the day unless I'm not driving. And I, I had driven and so there was no way. And I said, Eric, if you if you even make it halfway through, I'm gonna be impressed. It's it's <laughs> it's really sweet and really boozy. And if I were to do it again, it would be with someone else driving. Because right. otherwise it's you got no shot. Yeah, it's and it's their signature cocktail. It's a signature cocktail. It's Tim's fruit punch recipe. Right. And then they just load it with liquor. It's it's pretty good though. Like it's it's a it's sweet. It's a little sweet. Right. But 
in that environment, it all kind of makes sense. It kind of it works, right? It works out, yes. Now, in addition to being my resident Katie expert, you are also the gumbo snob. I am a gumbo snob. That's that would be true. So I'm gonna let you talk about the gumbo. Well, you have to talk about what you thought about the gumbo, and then I will talk about because we know it's a little bit different roux. Yeah, it's right? a lighter roux and a thinner broth. Right. And it's but it's packed with shrimp and sausage and and other things. It, I mean, plenty of of meat, you know, animal protein in the gumbo. Right. So that's one of the things that um, I notice when I go to New Orleans. I tell people all the time, um, it's a little bit. It's going to be a lighter roux, lighter broth. You know, the, it's more brothy, but that taste, amazing. It's not going to have a lot of rice. So if you want a lot of rice, just ask them to give you some more rice on the side because it's not going to have a lot of rice. But the taste, spot on. So if you're looking for some gumbo, you know, white people always say, "Where are you go for gumbo." That would be one place to add to your gumbo list. That's all I'm saying. Well, and we are we are a little bit bereft of gumbo options, right? Because Starfish had great gumbo, mm-hmm. but not anymore. It's not. It's not. It's off the menu with the change in ownership. Right. Uh, you know, Holly's had great gumbo, closed, gone, no more gumbo. Right. You know, Bernadine's great gumbo, gone. Right. Just play. It's so just, right. we've been we've been a little bit short in the gumbo department. Right. This helps fill the gap. Right. And we are and Eunice. We like Eunice gumbo. Yeah. Right. So add that to your list. But yep, Neos, try it out. Tell us what you think. Yeah, really excited. I lives up lived up to the hype for me. Uh we went on their second day of officially being open to the public. I think flavor wise, the dishes were there. You know, I they brought some cooks from New Orleans to Houston to help execute the menu. Service wise little little tweaking that needs right, to happen but nothing that would stop me from going back i agree I and agree. it was busy you know three thirty on a saturday afternoon they weren't they it wasn't every table full but by the time we left at five or so it was filling in filling in yep I so agree. people yeah, are excited good. about it i'm glad we went i will go back yep all right restaurant number two latab has a new chef and a new menu a little more French. We did not go together, but we did go separately. I, I mean, fine dining is tricky for me. It's it's, you know, I'm a I'm a Houstonian by birth, which means that my idea of a really nice meal is at a steakhouse, and sometimes I have to like push myself beyond beyond that to to go out. But I I would say if I were looking to spend a hundred or hundred and fifty dollars a person on a meal. The top would be very close to the top of that list for me. Yeah, I agree too. I I think that fine dining, they hit it right. The service, the recommendations, the wine, um, the table side presentations. It's it's. I would recommend it for someone to go for fine dining and just for a good meal. If you were, you know, money is not an object and right. If money is not the primary <laughs> driver, right. It's been a bit uh, little spin. You're gonna, you know, as you say, little spendy night. Yeah, you're gonna right. drop Valerio some Valerio Lombardozzi, I think. The maitre D is this like super dynamic, old school front of the house personality. So awesome. Makes everybody feel welcome. Like rolls those carts out there, like for like, we both had the Dover Soul, right? Mm-hmm. Fillets the Dover Soul table side, 
you know, two spoons, bloop, bones are out, you know, portions it, plates it, sauces it, the whole thing. It's, it's a wonderful experience. Uh, I like that beef tartare salad. I liked that lobster pasta. I, I, I'm not honestly sure than the last time I had like authentic Dover soul. That Dover soul was amazing. Like it was seasoned perfectly the way he prepared it. Like it, it was spot on. Right. Texture was firm. <laughs> right. Flavor of the sauce was really great. It's, it's a $120 piece of fish. Feeds two. I always hesitate to say worth it. I would say worth it. But I would say worth it. I would say, you know, as you know, if the alternative is like if you go to a, a nice steakhouse and you get like a long bone ribeye and that's about, you know, a 125 or 150. Right. I mean, I again, like I will default to the big steak probably. But as an alternative to the, it's a it's a really nice alternative to the big steak. It's I a agree. it's a you you leave feeling much better about yourself having eaten it than you will if you try to put down a big steak. And it's not over, you know, like that piece of fish, like you said, it's a hundred twenty dollar piece of fish. It's I would tell people that like seafood, have it so you know how a well cooked piece of fish is supposed to be prepared. Like, oh, that's what. That's what it's supposed to taste like. Well, and it's one of these kind of celebrated <laughs> ingredients, right? right? Like it's it's not something you see very often. And it's like, oh, this is why Dover Soul gets all the hype because right. it's phenomenal. That part. Yeah. Right there. That part. All right. And then finally, you know, talking about a one-off pop-up is always tricky because it's like, hey, here's this really cool thing we got to eat that you didn't get to go to and we'll never try. But I got to give a little love to Austin Simmons and Will Buckman from Tris and Corkscrew Barbecue for that collaboration dinner that yeah. we attended. Uh, eight course meal with, you know, some kind of Frenchy technique driven stuff from Austin with smoked elements from Will. You know, Austin's been on the show before. He's sort of fascinated by barbecue and, and the, the flavors that smoke imparts. Just, I mean, start to finish, just a, a really outstanding dinner. And well, so the great thing is, well, with that, Austin's going to be doing pop-ups more, right? You just have to stay tuned, and they will be doing it again together. So you just got to follow them so you can know when these tickets go on sale. Yeah, so he's so he calls these dinners the Collaborate right. series. So the first one was Will Buckman. Uh, he's got Horison. That's already sold out. And then in January, John Tizar from Knife, who is Austin's mentor, right. is coming to Houston from Dallas for what I suspect will be a very special evening. Right. But we'll go back to so back to the dinner we had. Everything was so good. Each course, I kept saying, "Well, this is my favorite course. This is my favorite course." I think we had we had different favorite courses. My favorite course was. Um, um, I can't even remember. What did I tell? Oh, the bread course was amazing where they, the brisket butter. Yeah. Super buttery, <laughs> super buttery brioche with, with, uh, house made whipped butter that had brisket fat folded in. Yeah. That's, that's pretty I good. I mean, that was pretty good. And the, um, oh, the tongue, the beef tongue with the lobster. Yeah. So that was my favorite course. I, yes, I thought it was a little bit, it was like kind of it had a texture. I had a texture thing with that because right. it was like 
soft lingua with soft lobster. I, I wanted like a, a crunchy something or other to kind of mm-hmm. balance that. But, you know, there was a smoked fish. Uh, I want to say sturgeon. That was that's what that was outstanding. That blue cheese crusted beef short rib that they did at the end for the entree was incredible. The ramen that that wasn't it didn't really taste like ramen broth, but that like kind of ramen style soup with the with the slice of corkscrew brisket laid into it. I mean, look, just again, start to finish, smoked octopus. You know, generous portions. And, you know, we had the privilege of sitting with Nicole Buckman, Will's wife and business partner, and also uh, Scott and Michelle from Tejas Chocolate and Barbecue in Tomball. So in addition to having really good food, we had a really great time just talking to them. Right. So, And yeah. I just think people, when you don't get to go to events like that, as we say, you should support these local restaurants when they're doing, if it's a restaurant you like and they're doing a pop-up, spend the money and go to see the chefs doing something different out of the, out of the box. It's a great experience and it's a good time. It's a, if you like food and, and pairings and it's, it's a great evening out. Right. And think of it like, you know, really great concert tickets or really nice theater tickets you know, a trip to Louisiana, whatever it is, like this is this is an enter- this is an entertainment item worthy of a splurge, and and again, and it just reiterates, you know, reinforces my impression that Austin Simmons is one of the most talented chefs in the Houston area. I agree, and he's one of my favorites. You know, and it, if he wasn't in the Woodlands, if he wasn't in the Woodlands, hate, we'd not be talking about the Woodlands. Yeah. But most people will not drive out to the Woodlands, right? So if he was in the city. He would just be, everyone would know how great he is. Right. All right. Felice, thank you. Thank you. It's always lovely being your favorite co-host. <clears throat> All right. Well, we will follow you. Uh, Swanky Maven on Instagram. You've been stepping that up recently. And of course, we can read your work on urbanswank.com. Always. All right. And I will be right back with Martin and Sarah Steyer and Sarah Troxel from Nobies. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? I'm joined this week by three people from, frankly, one of my favorite restaurants. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to introduce you individually so that people can hear your voices. Martin Steyer, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Sarah Troxel, welcome. Hey, Eric. What's up? And Sarah Steyer, how are you? Thanks for having me here. Thanks for being here, guys. Martin, I remember meeting you maybe a month or so before Nobis opened. And you're kind of going through your resume. You're like, oh, yeah, I grew up in Houston. I worked in Chicago. I was at L2O. And I was like, because I only knew you as a bartender from Cultivare. Sure. Right? That's how, that's how it had been described to me. And so I, I, I guess, I mean, I... I always like to start at the beginning a little bit, but like, how did you, how did you and Sarah decide to come back to Houston to open a restaurant instead of staying in Chicago where you had established like a pretty good career? Uh, yeah, I think the most important thing for that decision was family. Uh, we have two small boys and raising them down here in Houston in theory is easier than Chicago. Uh, that flood that happened was a little rough. Um, and yeah. Life takes its turns, but yeah, 
That's what brought us back to Houston. And you had had a lot of experience in fine dining. Yeah, that's correct. But Nobis is very casual. Uh, yeah, we try to keep it pretty uh, fun and playful, but definitely uh, serious when it comes to our ingredients and the way that we prepare them. Most of our recipes are based off of fine dining techniques and scientific evidence uh, in cooking. But we still want to have uh, no pretense when you come into the dining room. Did you did you think about opening fine dining, or did you always want something more casual? In my fine dining days, my plan was to open a fine dining restaurant. And then while I was working in three-star restaurants, I decided that the pretense level was too much. My friends were not treated well when they would come into the restaurant because they were seen as, you know, inferior for not having the pocketbook that you might traditionally need for fine dining. Yeah. Sarah, you're shaking your head, so I feel like you have something to contribute to this, too. I mean, who can afford the plateware in a fine dining restaurant anymore? <laughs> I just, you know, you said it earlier on the show, you were talking about fine dining is a little bit, it's not your favorite thing to go out and do. And I think that the the people in our age group are, are just not, I love fine dining. I love going to a place and, and spending, you know, once a year or maybe twice a year if, if somebody's treating. But, <laughs> um, but I think that the swing is in, in our favor. We should, we should be using high-quality ingredients and taking care of the people that work with us, but making everybody feel welcome when they walk in the door. And then, Sarah, I've known you for a really long time. You and, you and your boyfriend used to be my neighbors. Neighbors, yep. So I've I've followed your career maybe more closely than most people, right? Than I might have <laughs> yeah. if I if I didn't. We didn't know each other, right? Um, but you you used to be a, a cook, correct? And then you made a transition to be front of the house and, and eventually into bartending. What what was it about bartending that appealed to you instead of working on the line? Um, for me, I realized I've been working in restaurants since I was 16. I realized that I really miss the hospitality and the interaction with other people. And you don't get that when you're stuck in the back cooking. So I found that bartending really married the two things that I love to do, which is make things that are yummy and also serve people and take care of my friends and even just guests who come into the restaurant. And, and I, I mean, I could I could probably literally rattle off like six different places that you've worked over the course of the time that I've known you, but you've really found, I mean, you've been at Nobis since for two years, since the beginning. So right. over two years, I so, haven't worked anywhere for that long, I think. So, <laughs> so uh, what is I've it about Nobis that, that's been such a home for you? Um, Martin and Sarah have really become my family and working with them has really changed how I feel about working in restaurants. They've shown me that you don't have to work for assholes. Um, that family is important, and they really take care of us as a staff as well as every single person who walks through that door. And that's not something that I necessarily got from every single restaurant that I worked at. I won't ask you which ones those were. We don't have to talk about that. It's not important. Um, but I've really felt at home at Nobis and with Martin and Sarah and the team that we've built over there. Yeah, Martin, so let me let me bring it back to you because you I, – I mean, I remember – like very explicitly walking into the restaurant for the first time after it opened with my friend Nathan Ketchum, who's co-hosted the show in the past. And I just looked at Nathan and I was like, this place is cool. He's like, yeah, 
and he's owned restaurants, worked in restaurants. You know, he's as as cynical and crusty about restaurants as, as anyone I know. But what what like what like what is it about the atmosphere at Nobis or or how did you let me let me phrase that a little better. How did you create that environment? Because I, I don't think I'm the only one who feels that way. I think that the atmosphere of Nobis is based off of house parties that I used to have when we were working in fine dining. Uh, local chef Jason Vaughn and I used to work at L2O together. We were also roommates. We would have house parties all the time, and the food would be really good. But the atmosphere would be a lot more uh, inviting than if you came into the restaurant. <laughs> so we wanted to invoke that at Nobis, where you were coming kind of to a house party more than anything. And everyone that worked there was just kind of there to hang out with you more than a, just to serve you. And I think the environment kind of shows that. Like we have loud music, kind of dim lights, um, and it's just real comforting environment. Yeah, it's real hard to take a good looking picture of the food there. Like a lot of <laughs> lot of filters, a lot of sliders happening to get the sure the lighting to look right. But you know, it's the price yeah. you pay. You gotta come in early, sit by the window, sit on the patio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I remember, you know, when the restaurant first opened, you were doing some kind of whole seafood dishes and, and some kind of larger format entrees. You've moved away from that a little bit. How else, how else has the restaurant kind of evolved or how did it kind of become what it is? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, everything changes almost, you know, something changes daily on the menu at least. And Sarah's cocktails are changing all the time. And I think that's one of the great things about the restaurant is that she pushes me to change and vice versa. I'm pushing her to change and keep up with each other. Um, but yeah, we go back and forth on large format options. Uh, it's a tiny little restaurant. It's kind of hard to have a huge table in there. Uh, but those big items are the really fun ones for me. And I think most of the team there. So we right now, I think have three items. We opened with four, so we're not that much behind. No, but you did like a whole octopus sure. early on. That, a lot of that's... people don't get down with a whole octopus, yeah. but it was it was fun. I really I mean, enjoyed that. It was one. <laughs> really delicious. I I'll just I'll put it like that. And I, we was... definitely have talked about bringing that back on, or maybe a half octopus version, something along those nature. Um, and then Sarah, let me bring it back to you because Sarah Troxel was just saying that that she feels like you guys take really good care of your staff and you you care about your employees. And as far as I could tell, you haven't had a lot of turnover either in the kitchen or, or in the dining room. What are, what are you doing to kind of maintain that atmosphere and, and make it not just a good place to dine, but a good place to work? Well, I think the best places to dine are the great places to work. You know, the people that, that are happy to be there are happy to welcome everybody that walks in the door. And I think, um, you know, we offer full benefits, health, dental, 401k. We want people to understand that we believe that the career path that they have chosen is in fact a career and not just something that, you know, you do because you're not teaching yoga right now or because you're, you know, <laughs> all the, you because, because your paintings aren't selling or, you know, th that, that old cliche that a restaurant is something you do because you can't do anything else or your other things aren't working out we don't we don't want to treat it like that we want people to know that we really respect that they're here and um and giving people things that are necessary for life in america like insurance and uh retirement options i think 
let them know that we really believe in them. And then Sarah Troxel, let me come back to you. I mean, I, it felt like kind of a slow burn, right? There was about that, that first maybe four to six months. I felt like I could, I could come in whenever I wanted and get a table and it ain't like that anymore. No, we definitely flew under the radar for a while. And, you know, I think the hurricane had something to do with that a little bit. But now I think the neighborhood has really found out we're there. There's tons of people who are walking, who are coming to sit at the bar and just have a cocktail or a snack while they're, you know, on to their next thing for the day. Um, I think we've really hit our stride as far as the food and the cocktails and the wine program are like reaching maximum potential, in my opinion now two years later yeah and it and you're an industry hang yeah i mean you, totally. you have like a dedicated customer base of other people in the restaurant industry uh other you know and we love that all the industry people like to come to our restaurant we're open later than most of their restaurants are we're open seven days a week so we're a place where you can come when you get off work potentially if it's not super late but <laughs> tons of people coming in the 10 to midnight hour who are off the off their shift for the night which is awesome yeah, and then so Martin, like, what do you? How would how would you kind of describe where you're at right now? Because it, it seems like it, it seems like Nobis is in a really it's in a really good place. Yeah, Nobis is great. Um, we've been busy. I still feel like we fly under the radar with a lot of publications and things like that, which is kind of fine with us. Um, getting to like how we treat the staff, like we're trying to be the best restaurant. We're not trying to be the best restaurant on any list. We're just trying to be the best restaurant, period. Uh, and that starts with like hospitality towards our coworkers. And then I think it shows through the food that comes out of the kitchen is more consistent when people are happy making it. And the service is better that way, too. Yeah, I have to. So I, obviously, I have to ask you about you, you. You said list. And obviously, I have to ask you about Allison. <laughs> oh. <laughs> because you, you were left off of Allison Cook's top 100 list. And when I. Clearly, someone, we're not that good. Someone tweeted. <laughs> I think someone tweeted her, and she said she looked at the menu and it didn't seem that interesting. And we emailed Jody Schmale, which is her editor that kind of helps her put that thing together, who said that you know she just she just chose not to visit y'all. Which I think of all of the you know all of the object every year there's always and and I lead that charge. <laughs> Lord knows. Like I consider it kind of my civic responsibility to push back on the notion that sure. that that list is in any way definitive instead of just one person's educated opinion. It's one of my favorite daily traditions. It's <laughs> your response. I, I appreciate that, and I and I hear that from people, and it it drive every year. I feel like I'm not going to do it, and then I start getting text messages like, "When are you going to do it?" It's like, "Fine, I'll do it." <laughs> um, Take one for the team, Eric. <laughs> it's. It's fine. I'll, I'll take the pages. It's okay. Uh, but so let me just, were your feelings hurt at all? Like, were you surprised? <laughs> I was definitely surprised. Uh, last year. Because you had been on the list before. Yeah, when we were on the list before, I felt like we kind of deserved to be on the part where she actually rates people because then she just started doing this generic 70 people that are right. honorable you, mentions. Yeah, tied for 31st sure. yeah. is my joke. Yeah. Yes. And so we thought we would be in the top 30 originally. Um and not to be too, like, you know, braggy or anything, but we care about our food a lot. And then to not even be on the list the following year was very much surprising. But uh, we don't take ourselves too seriously. Uh, so we kind of just started joking about it pretty much immediately. Yeah, no, I, I saw that for your second uh, birthday specials, you ran the 
Allison Cook Seafood Tower priced it $101. Yeah, when I costed out all the seafood that was going on to it, it came out to about $98.50. And I was like, ah, we just got to go with $101 (laughs) and call it the Allison Cook Seafood Tower. Did people get it? Uh, There's definitely a few people that get it. Uh, Some people ask us, like, oh, well, how did Allison collaborate on this dish? And (laughs) that wasn't really how it was going over. But, uh, yeah, I think for the most part, a lot of our regulars uh, totally understood. Because we use that hashtag pretty regularly. Uh, 101st best restaurant in Houston. Yeah, I, you know, I I had some fun with when Texas Monthly did their top 50 barbecue joints. Like, Papa Charlie's jumped on. we, We were 51st. Right. Everybody always yeah. everybody always has fun with with lists like that. And, and someday I'll do a top 100 and I'll leave out something really obvious and I'll get bashed for it on on social media. And the, and the cycle will will begin anew and it'll be very sure. exciting for everybody. Uh, but it, it hasn't. I mean, we should be blunt like it hasn't affected your sales. Uh, no, not really. I don't think so. Uh, we're still pretty busy. Uh, weekends are still rock and roll. Can't fit everybody that wants to come in because we only have about 50 seats and a uh, very tiny parking lot. So you have, you have like a negative parking lot. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, yeah, it's, it's, it may Please be the Uber. worst, like, like honestly, like every now and then I, I hear restaurants complain about, yeah, we didn't have enough parking. We couldn't make it. It's like, look, if nobody's can make it with, with their with shitty parking six spots, then <laughs> there's hope. Then it, Look elsewhere, like yeah. blame something other than parking. Sure. It ain't it isn't parking. Uh and and of course you would much rather be and, and this is completely gratuitous on my part, but you would much rather be nobies and be off the list than be MABA and be on the sure. list and closed the week before the list was published. Yeah, and that's gotta be a, a little bit uncomfortable for Wayne. Um but yeah. I mean Still pretty great. Wayne's a great guy, and he makes great food. Wayne, Wayne is a great guy who makes great food, and, and maybe <laughs> maybe someday he'll he'll figure that out and and do it somewhere else. In a, in a He's probably location. the most stylish person on the list too. Yeah, sharp okay. dressed. Yeah, <laughs> handsome man. <laughs> um, all right, so it, I would have I would have been happy to have had you on just to talk about Nobis, but you are working on another project. Yeah, that's correct. And selfishly, I'm really excited about this because it's basically walking distance from my apartment. Well, that's going to be a fantastic place then. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you took the uh, you took the old Texas Shrimp Shack space for a new concept. So one of you, Sarah, I tell us a little bit about. You're calling it toasted coconut. The toasted coconut. I think this was actually mom's idea. Oh, all right. Well, her, Sarah. she came up. We have obviously tossed around many names, yeah. but when she said that one, I think both of us were like, "Yes, that's the winner!" All right. So, so, so Nobis is named after Martin's grandmother. How did you come up with the name, the toasted coconut? And then, and then, after you explain the name, let's talk about what it is because I don't even know that part yet. Um, well, our super uninteresting menu at Nobis. We use a lot of puns. Um, to describe our food. And so we kind of wanted to continue with our identity, but um, the toasted coconut has a lot of meanings. I mean, coconut is a tropical fruit. It's on a tree. Yep. Being toasted is something that all of us like, whether it's a couple of drinks or sitting in the sun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or both. Can Together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, yes, yes. Fruity drinks taste better when you're 
toasting in the sun. Mm-hmm. So I, we we literally had a list of I don't know ninety five or a hundred something names. What, what was second? <clears throat> oh, can't even remember at this point. Um, you probably get the list out on your phone. Yeah, yeah. I do have the list. <laughs> All right, so so one of you. What is the toasted coconut? Me. Um, so I think it's something the three of us have talked about, maybe even before we opened Nobis, is really wanting to do something tropical and tiki-inspired. And these crazy yahoos decided we needed to open another restaurant and wanted to go look at the Maria Selma slash Shrimp Shack place. And I was like, that dump. Like, we're not going to put a restaurant in there. And I think... You guys would agree that you thought you were very skeptical. We walked through the doors of that space with a giant palapa and saw its potential and knew we had to jump on it. Um, So we'll be opening a tropical beach paradise escape from the city bar, hopefully in 2019, pending the city of Houston. Well, surely it, it, I (laughs) mean, from the sake of like, in 2019. In 2019. So, all right. So, um, yeah, so I had heard mutterings that it might be a tiki bar, but are you going to have a food component too, Martin? We're going to have a full menu still. Um, very inspired between the latitudes of 20 and 20. So pretty much anything that's Caribbean, Southeast Asian, um, is fair game, uh, some Latin American influences as well. And it'll be much more bar-oriented food, though. Very snacky. Um, we'll probably have some dumplings, some meats on a stick that are grilled, things that are affordable and easy to eat in groups um, or like by yourself. If you're like, oh, I'm the hungry one in the group, I'm going to order an order of dumplings or whatever while nobody else has to eat. Yeah, Sarah, I know you're like particularly a fan of all things tiki. This is not a secret. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wear a tiki shirt probably four days a week at no piece. <laughs> What is it? What is it about tiki that you find so appealing? Um, it's whimsical and playful, and it really takes you back in history. And there's just so many options as far as housemade syrups, ingredients, flavors, spirits, and every bit of that inspires me personally. So. And, and let me just: there are a couple of tiki bars in Houston already. Correct. So how do you how do you distinguish yourself from them? Well, for one, more tiki for me is better. I want all of the tiki bars to exist in this town. Um, but we're, you know, going to keep the Nobi standard, which is fresh, balanced cocktails, a variety of spirits, a menu that change. We'll have a seasonal menu that changes regularly, um, not as frequently as Nobis. But and we're also going to hit on the tiki classics. Um, so we're just going to do what we are good at at Nobis and turn it into a different concept. And then. Sarah Steyer, let me let me turn this back to you because, as I was saying, one of the things about Nobis that kind of makes that restaurant for me is the atmosphere. So, what are your plans for the toasted coconut? To um, we want it to feel bright and sunny and tropical, and the minute you walk in there, there's tropical plants, and you know we're we're still working on the build out, so we'll have new discoveries and changes to everything. But um, I think. Really just feeling that escape, whether it's an hour for lunch or, or three hours between 9.30 and 30. <laughs> 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 Whatever. Um, I think it should just feel like you're totally outside of the city and you could just relax. 
So, so lunch is part of the plan. Yeah, maybe not right when we open. Uh, it's hard to staff a place, especially um, you know we like to take a lot of time into training and getting the right people. Uh, so we're gonna kind of do baby steps and just get open first, and then work into lunch as we uh, start rolling. So what's your? I mean, because you guys have been working on this for a while. I mean, I know your TABC app got picked up and sort of circulated. But what's your what's your rough timeline for all this? Uh, we hoping to open in the springtime. Um, hopefully, you know, <laughs> I don't want to put anything <laughs> too detailed out there, but I'd say spring before summer for sure. And and just talk to me about I understand the like the layout of the location made it appealing. Um, yeah, Maria Selma's. I I could not. I was trying to think of it all weekend. I could yeah. not come up with Maria Selma's. But it. Um, but yeah, you have. I mean. But just in terms of that location specifically, on Richmond at Mandel, next to Revelry, next to the bar formerly known as the Harp, uh, what was it about that aspect that appealed to you? Uh, the Palapa. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, because you could build a Palapa. Sure, sure. But we've driven by it. Uh, I mean, it's right down the street from Nobis. And the Bronze actually contacted me maybe six months after we opened Nobis. And said, we have this space. We'd love for you to look at it. And I was so overwhelmed at that point in my life. There was no way I could go even look at it. Um, but I always kind of had it in the back of my mind. And then, uh, yeah. So eventually it came back available on the market. And they asked us to come look at it again. And I told my wife, like, let's just go check it out. We're not going to do anything. And probably we'll just walk away from it and never open another restaurant or whatever. But... When we walked out of there, we both kind of looked at each other like, yeah, this kind of seems great. <laughs> it's a, it was a blank slate. Yeah, we kind of had to clear everything out. Um, yeah, I've and, seen the dumpster. Yeah, and so <laughs> it's starting from scratch um, as far as the build-out goes. And I th- really think that we're the way that we provide something kind of for everybody at Nobis, um, regardless of what you like to eat or drink, um, will be in the vibe there as well. Uh, we'll definitely have the same sound guys coming down to do our sound install. Um, that also did Nancy's place. Um, they do sound installs all over the country, and they just do phenomenal work. So I think you can look forward to that, as well as I've been collecting lots of surf rock at the record conventions, as well as a lot more island music and exotica and things like that. So we really want that beach vibe to be influenced, but we'll still have great hi-fi system. Yeah, because I think... I think part of the reason that people like Lalo, which is the, the most prominent tiki bar and, and they, and they, they have earned a ton of acclaim and they, they deserve all of it in my opinion. But it's, it's, it's not just that the drinks are delicious. It's that you walk through the door of the strip center and you feel like you're somewhere else. And so I, I just, I feel like that's a really important component of, putting together a bar like this or, or putting together a restaurant like this. We yeah, definitely. Agree. We agree. Yeah. It's, that is the, the tiki bar standard. Of all the good yeah, tiki bars. Escapism. Yeah. Three Dots, Lost Lake, mm-hmm. Smuggler's Cove. Cove. You, even Pearl Diver in Nashville, I felt like I walked into like a 50s mid-mod tropical bar. Um, where That is definitely one of the biggest, most important things to us that you feel like you're not inside the loop of Houston. 
Well, y'all, I think that brings me to the end of my questions, unless there is something you feel like I haven't asked you about. Oh, yeah. Well, Sarah found a super cool uh, swizzle stick company that lots of places use that are um, biodegradable. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Cool. So we plan on all the custom swizzle sticks, some custom glassware for sure, coasters, t-shirt, all the fun things that come with a tiki bar. Well, yeah, because I think that is that is part of it too, right? The glassware has to, the mugs, the glasses, the punch bowls. I mean, you presumably you've been you've been collecting that stuff for a while now. We've been working on it. We have a. <laughs> I have a, a a person who I will not name on air. She's my best secret. friend, yeah. and she <laughs> shops for us. <laughs> she she's the estate sale queen, uh-huh. and she's wonderful, and she's collecting boxes and boxes of things. We're we're working at no shopping. You don't want to you don't want to out her because then people will see her and they'll like jack the prices up. You know, (laughs) you got to be careful about that. Yeah, or they'll try to like I don't know break into her apartment looking for tiki wares. Great vintage tiki. I would strongly recommend against that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Well, well, thank you. Uh, You know, I always wrap this up with the lightning round. Five easy questions, five short answers. The three-person lightning round is something we have rarely attempted on <laughs> what's Eric eating, but but we're gonna we're gonna all we're all gonna work together on this. We're all gonna make this happen. So Martin, I'm gonna start with you. First question: What's your favorite cookbook? Right now? Yeah. Ooh. I know. I think. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, like guess. the rest of this country, I'm really obsessing over that fermentation cookbook. Oh, yeah, the Noma one. I really was hesitant to even open it when it arrived because I knew everyone was going to be looking at it and having the same uh, original ideas at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty awesome, uh, super in-depth, and a great resource to have in the kitchen now. Sarah, how about you? Could be a cocktail book, too, oh, for you. Yeah, favorite, ooh. Lately, I've been into Ron Cooper's Mezcal book, Finding Agave. And Sarah? Um, I'm going to go with Brave Tart. Yeah. She doesn't, she doesn't need any of our help. She's got a James Beard Award. She was well-deserved. <laughs> <but laughs> All right. Martin, what's the first band you ever saw in concert? The Spin Doctors in 1994. <laughs> Sarah? Britney Spears. Oops, I did it again to her. And yeah. Sarah. Uh, Steve Biller Band. Nice. With my parents. All right. And then I'll, I'll, go, I'll go backwards this time. Sarah, what's your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru. Um, probably French fries from Whataburger really late at night. <laughs> Sarah Troxel. I'm Whataburger chicken tenders and gravy and toast all the way. <laughs> Martin. Yeah. Fried chicken sandwich at Whataburger. <laughs> Whataburger man. All right, I feel like it's this real. is. I feel like I'm gonna. This is dangerous territory for the three of y'all. But do you have a favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? I'm gonna play the fifth because I'm from Chicago. So the you have a Bears. favorite Chicago sports figure, past or present? It'd be Ditka, duh. Obviously <laughs> Ditka. There was a Ditka impersonator, or a guy dressed up like Ditka. Uh, at the Bears game on Sunday night while they were beating the Rams. So the Bears are good again. Dick is, yeah. Dick is back. All yeah. Dick are back. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't hold your breath for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
I'm skipping the sports question for the two of you. Uh, finally, Martin, where's your favorite place to get a taco? Taco Nazo, probably, off of Patton Street. Sarah? For me lately, it's been Cantina Barba all the way. And Sarah? I'm going to stick with the classic, the taco truck across from Alabama. Yes. Tierra Caliente. Yeah, close second. And we can walk there from Nobis. Yeah, and have a beer outside. All right. Martin, give us the, the website and the Instagram and all that for Nobies. Uh, it's nobieshtx.com, and our handle on Instagram is nobieshtx. And Sarah, give us a – how's the speed rack? Before I let you go, how's the speed rack prep going? Oh, man. Tra- practice has been really great. I'm super excited to bring the, bring the competition back to Houston this year. What day is the, comp- what day is the competition? January 27th. My main goal of all of the practice rounds is to get everybody from Houston to show up at the competition because that's how they make the money. And we can find you practicing Mondays at Night Heron. From 7 to 10. Perfect. Every Monday except Christmas, New Year's until the event. Awesome. All right. And you can follow me on Twitter at eSandler, on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. This is your periodic reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Google, and now recently on Spotify. And if you want to rate us, uh, like Katie Nolan always says, only if it's five stars and only if it's nice. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.